Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast presented by Firecracker Sports. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Launch angle, exit velocity, and baseball technology. Today's guest is credited or blamed, depending on your perspective, for changing the way we teach players to hit. Hudson, New Hampshire native Bobby Tewksbury used metrics like exit velocity and launch angle to teach the mechanics of the baseball swing. The former University of Vermont baseball star is now the CEO of Pelotero, a software company for player development. In 2019, Tewksbury was named one of New England Baseball Journal's most 50 influential people in baseball. I can't wait to talk to him about his career path from independent league player to someone who resurrected the career of Major League Baseball players like Josh Donaldson. If you're interested in learning how to improve as a hitter, this is the podcast for you. Before we get to Bobby Tewksbury, let's talk about some of the content we have available on the New England Baseball Journal platform. Some of the top incoming high school and prep seniors in New England recently returned from the East Coast Pro Showcase and Area Code Games. We have scouting reports on all seven New England players that competed at the University of San Diego at the Area Code Games. You can find out how the Northeast regional teams performed by going to BaseballJournal.com. We also have photo galleries and breakdowns of the top prospects from the Cape League season. If you're a fan of the NACBL or Futures League, we've got that covered too. Click on the subscribe tab at BaseballJournal.com to get the print edition mailed to your home or office. We're currently working on our fall preview for college programs as well as high school and prep programs in each state. Thanks again for listening. Now here's the interview with Bobby Tewksbury. Hey, Bobby, welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I was. So when I was looking over your background in baseball, by the way, we named you one of the top 50 most influential people in baseball a few years ago. So I was kind of reading through that bio and it's a lot about, you know, uh, using exit velocity and launch angle. And it seems like there are a lot of people in baseball who just have a negative reaction when they hear those words and, you know, too many, too many home runs, too many strikeouts, all that stuff. I I'm kind of in the minority of someone who gets excited when I see someone, you know, hit a ball with 110 mile an hour exit velocity because I like, you know, I like to see people crush the ball. So I also think, you know, the people who complain complain about exit velocity are the same people who complain about length of games. And there's really nothing you can do for those people. They just don't really like baseball. Um, Is that kind of how you see, you know, the pushback on exit velocity and launch angle? Yeah, the thing that's crazy about those numbers are literally every single ball has an ex any any hit ball has an exit velocity and launch angle so right the only thing that's different is we're we're measuring it and communicating it so it's almost like the uh the strike zone box you know how like you watch the game now and there's the box for the strike zone it makes it a lot easier to complain about balls and strikes when they show you where the pitch crosses the plate every single time so it's just it's giving you more information so that you can you know understand what's happening better but the the end result of that is it ends up being a kind of a poor experience for the fan because you could see if it, if it's a ball and he calls it a strike, you get pissed off, you know, especially if it's against your team. So the thing with the, with launch angle and, and exit velocity, the tendency is for hitters to just t- chase bigger numbers. And that's not necessarily a good thing when it comes to player development and when it comes to making your swing better. So at the professional level, it makes sense for guys to chase homers because they get paid for homers. It's a job, it's a business. So the more homers they hit, the more runs they drive in, the higher the war is, the more they get paid. The The problem at the youth levels is kids end up trying to mimic that and emulate that to, to a detriment. 
and they end up with bad swings and they, they think striking out's not a big deal when if you're striking out against high school pitching or youth pitching, that's not a good thing. You, if you, if you're trying to play at the next level. So there's a lot of uh, unintended consequences, I think that filter down to lower levels of the game. Um, and you know, it's just numbers. They're just numbers. They just describe what happened. Um, an example I use frequently is if you get on a scale, it tells you how much you weigh. Like if the number, if you don't like the number, you're not going to be happy about the number, but also like I can get on the scale and tell you, I weigh 200 pounds. But if I don't tell you how, how tall I am, you don't really know if that's good or bad. So, you know, if I'm seven feet tall and I weigh 200 pounds, that's pretty unhealthy. If I'm four foot seven and I weigh 200 pounds, that's pretty unhealthy too. So there's the truth is always somewhere in the middle and just giving these numbers it, it, if you understand them, it helps you develop players better and it helps you make better decisions. But you get guys like A-Rod just blasting baseball all night on Sunday night, and it's, it makes you wonder if they even like the game. Right. Yeah, so that's interesting because I, you, I think of that as, you know, when, when you look at exit velocity or launch angle, you just want bigger numbers, you know, because those are the long home runs that you see in Major League Baseball. But you're saying – you might occasionally look at it and say, hey, this you're striking out a lot and your launch angle is very high. Maybe you want to try to, you know, even out that swing and hit the ball on the ground or hit line drives. Is that so would you sometimes use launch angle as uh, something that you're trying to decrease? Absolutely. I mean, if if you're a player who's missing under the ball too much, you need to try to get on top and you need to feel on top. It doesn't mean you should be swinging straight down, but it needs to be more down than what you're currently doing. So again, it comes down to context. We can measure your swing plane. And if you swing up at 20 degrees, that's too high. The pitch on average is coming in around like seven or eight on a fastball, major league fastball, like seven or eight degrees downward. So if you're swinging up at 20, there's just, they're not crossing paths very well. So you're going to end up missing under too much. You're going to top spin balls. It's not good, but you know, without, without the ability to measure the bat, without the ability to measure exit velocity, or launch angle, you don't have that, you don't have that information to make decisions. So um, it, it's good to have with context, because then you get a guy, uh, Jim Tomey went on MLB Network, and he's like, oh, I love doing this drill. He gets on a mound and he swings downhill, because he he's like, oh, I got to get on top of the ball. Jim Tomey's back elbow slotted like crazy, which makes your bat lower, and he swung and missed, missed under everything. That's He struck out a ton of his career, had a ton of homers, but he's a guy who swung and missed under. So he, it makes sense that he would use that drill and that drill would resonate with him. It doesn't mean like if I did that drill, my swing naturally did not slot. So I had to, I have to like try to get my back elbow to go down. So if I practiced that drill and like swung off a mound, it would be horrible for me. So it's, it's really all about understanding the hitter and understanding the context. If a guy is popping up too much, get on top. If he's hitting all grounders, you got to work on getting under the ball. It's, it's really about understanding each individual hitter and giving them relevant information to them, not just blanket statements. Right. Yeah. So you're collecting information. You're not using this and say, Hey, you got to get this exit velocity up. You got to get the launch angle up. You're using that to inform you on what they need and what corrections they need to make to their swing. Um, let me get, you mentioned yourself as a hitter. So I want to kind of go back and talk about your baseball background as a player before we get into the impact that you've had, uh, and as an instructor, so um, 
I know you're from Hudson, New Hampshire. What were your first memories of playing baseball? Did you were did it come pretty naturally naturally to you from the beginning? Yeah, um, my first memories are like Hudson Memorial Field, about behind the middle school, just like having practices there. My I, my mom tells me a story that I don't. I kind of remember this. It's kind of a weird story, but I kind of remember this. We went to SeaWorld when we were younger, and we were at the dolphin show, and I was like three or four years old, I guess. And they said like, Hey, who wants to play baseball with the dolphin? And I like, I just sprinted for the stage and they gave me a wiffle ball bat and the dolphin was pitching me wiffle balls. And I was like smashing them over the tank. I don't really remember that. I like vaguely like have a like snapshot in my head of like being on the stage, but um, yeah, baseball was always kind of my thing. It was, it was the place where I felt like I could be myself the most. Um I'm fairly introverted in normal, like social settings on a baseball field. One of the loudest guys out there communicating, just playing the game. So, um, yeah, baseball, it, it makes you think there's the thinking in baseball is what really attracts me to it. It's, um, it's very fast paced. The situation changes every single moment. There's so many things that you have to factor in to, to be able to be positioned correctly and to anticipate well. So that's really what, what, like draws me to the game still um i prefer playing golf now <laughs> compared to uh baseball because it hurts less but um yeah baseball i grew up in hudson and coach lee at uh Albert high school was a huge influence on me um my neighbor vin garino had a batting cage in his backyard so we'd go down there and 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 hit in his backyard um, a lot of great memories coming up through Hudson, we had a really group, really good group of kids that we all worked hard. We, we, I feel like we played the game, right. We didn't need somebody to stand over us and tell us to work hard. We, we all wanted it. And it was a lot of good memories there. Yeah. And you ended up uh, playing college ball at university of Vermont, which you don't think of that as a baseball school anymore because they cut their program. But um, I, when I think of Vermont, you hear about all these stories about um, weird things happening. And Burlington's obviously a great city. Uh, what was it like to play a Division One sport at Vermont? Where I, I think of that as you know a school that would be almost tough to stay really focused, and you know there are a lot of distractions and everything like that. What was it like playing baseball up there? What what, is it, <laughs> what distractions are you talking about? For me, it was laser focused on baseball. Yeah. So I I don't know what's going on. I haven't been up there for a while. Burlington's a great college town. Um, really enjoyed my experience there. Coach Carrier, um, very thankful to him for the opportunity to go up there and play. I got to play right away, which was huge. Um, he's at Fairfield now and just had an awesome season and um, made it to a regional, which was actually down here in, in Texas. So I got to see him when he came down. But we had a really good group up there as well. It was um, We had a lot of kids that were from Vermont. We had we had, it's funny because the, the roster from um, Vermont and Maine, if you put all the New Hampshire kids together and UNH had a baseball team, that team would have been stacked. We had really, really good talent from New Hampshire going to other out-of-state schools because there was no, uh, no, no in-state D1 school in New Hampshire, which is unfortunate. But um, Vermont's up there. It's cold. It's like really, really cold compared to even New Hampshire. Um, the wind coming off the lake is intense. You know, I, I always tell people my, the coldest I've ever been was walking to a baseball practice at 
4.30 in the morning and I blinked and my eyelashes froze together, that like cold, cold, cold. But that type of environment forces you to be committed, I think. So the, the guys that we had there, you know, you're showing up to lifts early in the morning, you're, you're walking through the snow and for negative 40 wind chill to get to practice. You have to be a certain level of dedicated to, to go there and appreciate that. And then I think the travel too, because our closest school was Dartmouth which was a solid hour and a half away. Then you get to Boston with Northeastern. Um, that's, you know, three and a half, four hours away. So you, you get a lot of time on the bus. You get a lot of bonding time. And it's uh, college baseball is so cool because you, you, you get to create that kind of second family and you're around those guys so much. Um, and different than pro ball, where pro ball is more about individual performance sometimes. It's really all about the team and about winning. So it was, I had a great time up there and, zero regrets about my choice to go north instead of south yeah no and you share that bond with your teammates when you're you know suffering through that cold weather and your eyelashes are freezing and everything like that you know it's almost like the more you suffer the more you bond over it um and then you went on to play independent ball uh how did that experience how what was that like and how did that come about for you yeah so my senior year of vermont Actually, the ju- the summer between my junior and senior, I ended up hurting my thumb. Um, I I tore the ligament off the bone. It was a uh, it, it was on the, the outside of my thumb here, so um, it was a an avulsion fracture. So every time I would hit, it would basically like rip the bone off again. It was fairly painful. So um, I had a shot of getting drafted. Didn't get drafted. I had surgery a, about a month before the draft, which was fairly devastating at the time. Um, and then ended up hooking on with the Worcester tornadoes, the, 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 the network of scouts and everything that kind of refer you and, and get you on people's radar. So, um, got to end up in Worcester and it was a great experience. It was, uh, I used to dream about going to work and driving to a baseball field. So to be able to do that at any level is pretty amazing. And the, the percentage of baseball players that ever get to do that is pretty small. So, um, it, it's definitely a grind. It was the, you know, 750 bucks a month to, to show up and play baseball, which, you know, you, w- once you take the uniform off in that, at that level of co- competition, like I could go play in a men's league right now, but it's not like chasing the dream. So, you know, what you got to pursue that as long as you, as long as your heart is in it. So it was a great experience, really, you know, the, the difference between high school pitching versus college pitching versus professional pitching, even at an independent level, it's just, they make less mistakes. There's their fastballs weren't even faster, but they moved more. They were located better. Their breaking balls were sharper and more precise. Uh, they, they pitched better. That was the hardest part. They, they sequenced better. They, they picked you apart. Um, but it was really fun. It was really fun and got to meet a lot of great people doing it. Man, $750 a month. Is that, uh, how do you make that stretched and last? Is that like a dollar, going to debt. dollar hot dogs going. at gas stations and stuff like that? You just wear it. You, you go into debt and you try to make as much money in the off season as you can. That's funny. Uh, and then you, you were out of baseball for about a year, right? After, was that after your experience with the independent league or was that uh, a few years later? Yeah. Right after playing, I, I got out of baseball. I got a normal job and, um, you get to a point I think where you get a little bit mad at baseball and you don't want to be involved in it because you're it's like a bad breakup your heart's broken you want to get away give it some space 
but yeah, about a year, year and a half after that, I started getting the itch again and, um, ended up starting a business and getting back into instruction and, and working with players again, really the, the ultimate goal was to just give back. We have, we have so many people who support us in our journeys when we're younger, um, coaches, parents, teams, organizations, there's so many, there's so many things that, that prop you up and, and give you a platform to do what you're doing and to pursue those dreams, to, to try to go and play college baseball and to try to play professionally. So the goal and the mission of, of getting back into baseball was to just provide the, if we could restart our careers, what opportunities would we want? And that was, that's been like the, the North star for everything I've done in business and baseball since. I was reading a few different stories uh, to kind of prepare for this interview. And one of them said you were inspired to get back into baseball after watching a replay of Albert Pujols' swing. One said it kind of started with Josh Donaldson. How, what, what was your path back into baseball? What inspired you? I actually was able to go to the home run derby in Yankee Stadium when Josh Hamilton hit a billion homers. <laughs> um, I had just gotten a new camera. It was the, uh, the Casio EX-F1. If you don't know what that camera is, then you're not an OG. <laughs> um, it was the first camera that did high speed video. There was like a point to shoot style camera. So I have 600 frame per second video of Josh Hamilton hitting homers from, I think it was 2008. This was like, I don't know if iPhones were out at the time, but they certainly weren't doing high speed video if they were. So I, I mean, to watch what they were doing, um, to, it just kind of reignited my love with baseball. Um, I thought I was going to just get normal jobs and have a career outside of baseball after I stopped playing. But yeah, so that home run derby was kind of a trigger moment. And then in terms of the swing, in terms of like blowing up my entire philosophy about swing mechanics, it was an Albert Poole swing. And it was, he was doing the exact opposite of what I thought was right. And it just fundamentally destroyed everything I thought I knew about mechanics. And I had to restart and look at everything new. How do you mean, like, what was he doing different from the way that you were like, how were you taught uh, the swing should work or look? And uh, what was he doing differently? So the, for context here, you have to remember that like nobody had video of their swings. We had like the Tom Amansky videos on ESPN and we had coaches that were teaching us knob the ball, squish the bug, get on top, swing down. Like I used to do the, the drill with two, there are two balls and yet at the one you had to swing down and miss the one behind it. So basically like creating a steep down swing path. So any indication why I needed to work on getting my elbow down to get on plane, which is okay. It's not, I, I, I always want to like preface this by saying like, I don't, I'm not mad at any of my coaches previously. Like I, it's part of my journey and it's okay. And uh, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change my journey in terms of, cause I like everything that you do creates context and insight. So I, I came from that background of swing down. I, when I looked at video, I expected my, my back knee, my back hip and my hands to come forward together because that's what I thought was right. That's what I had played division one baseball. I was a player of the year in a conference. I played professionally. That was my knowledge of the swing. And back then, like you couldn't talk about swing mechanics. You, if you went to the Worcester tornadoes clubhouse, this happened Chris and I, Chris Colabello and I were talking about swing mechanics and veterans were like, what are you doing? You can't talk about that. 
you're going to go into a slump. And we're like, we're just talking about like this. They're like, you can't talk about that. Like you literally, they stopped you from talking about swing mechanics. So when I saw that clip of pools, I had been out of baseball for a year plus, like hadn't watched swings. I would watch games on TV, but I wasn't invested in the sport really. And I saw the swing. And when I thought his hands should have been going down, his hands were going up. And I was like, wait a second. So when his knee was going down and in, his hands were going up and his hips were opening. So his hips were opening, but the hands weren't coming with it. When I watch that, when I think about the swing, I feel like like the rotation of my back knee and my hip turning forward should be like pushing my hands forward and creating power. So when I saw his hands going up, I was like, how was he even swinging? Where like, I feel, I felt like he should have lost all of his leverage to create a swing yet. He was the best hitter on the planet. So I'm like, some I'm wrong. Either he's wrong or I'm wrong. Therefore I'm wrong. I need to revisit everything, start from scratch. And that, that really set off quite a journey. Thanks for listening. We'll be back after this message. Firecracker sports serves all first time and experienced coaches that are looking for quality showcase tournaments to promote their players and teams. Firecracker Sports offers the most independently operated baseball and softball events in the Northeast region with qualified staff and college coaches to help you and your players get maximum promotion. Besides events, you can get all of your baseball and softball needs with Firecracker Sports player profiles, hotels, and even facility sales now. With Firecracker Sports, you can save time, effort, and money by getting all of your events, college resources, and customer attention in one place every season. Visit firecrackersports.com to visit the home of Showcase Baseball and Softball. It's funny you're ta- you talked about the old school philosophy on, you know, don't don't give hitting advice to hitters and you know they'll go into a slump. I used to have uh, this video it was like Mike Schmidt coming in on his 500th home run. And he was kind of instructing people at spring training on how to do the swing. And he was like, you know, you bring your hips around like you're chopping down a tree and you swing down on it. And then uh, throughout that, it's a big like, you know, hour and a half documentary on his 500th home run. But even then they're like sticking, they won't touch bats in between games. They're like, that's my lucky bat. Don't talk, don't talk to me about hitting all that stuff. And it's just, it's funny how that's evolved. I feel like um, I used to cover some Red Sox games at Fenway and Manny would like spend all the entire game in a, in a batting cage, you know, under the, under the bleachers, just working on his swing. So I feel like over the years it's evolved, but you're right. That old school philosophy of like, Hey, we don't talk about hitting. You'll jinx yourself and go into a slump. It's uh that's definitely was out there now in terms of, um, you, so you started with the camera, but what other technology, did you need to use to start your business uh, when you got back into baseball? Video wasn't the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a radar gun very early and we were doing exit velocity testing just in the cage and celebrating when kids hit the ball 90. Hitting the ball hard is not bad. We You had brought that up earlier. Hitting the ball hard is not bad, but you can swing in ways that are not good to hit the ball hard. So the, the thing about baseball is the ball is moving so it's not golf you can do whatever you want you can you could do a backflip before you hit the ball if you want to it doesn't matter baseball there's there's specific demands on the hitter that require you to be quick adjustable you need to be able to hit the ball inside outside you need to create a, a 
deep swing. You need to be able to stop your swing as late as possible. There's specific demands. So if you take a long time to swing the ball, swing the bat hard, you're going to have trouble in the game. So exit velocity is a good one. So we had the, the radar gun and I got a ZEP sensor. Anybody out there that knows what a ZEP is? Um, it was one of the, it was the first swing sensor. Um, I got uh, hooked up with people at Diamond Kinetics and, and consulted with them for a couple of years. Um, they had a, a newer swing sensor that was a lot more reliable and you didn't get like ups with ZEP, you would take a swing and it would show up like upside down. So it, it just wasn't very reliable. It was the early, early days of tech. Um, and then hit tracks was the biggest one hit tracks. If you're not familiar, it's like a golf simulator for baseball where you can hit in. It's not called Fenway park. It's called Boston, but it's, it looks like Fenway park or Yankee stadium or Wrigley field. It's really cool. The data is super reliable and consistent. It's all camera based. Um, and we're, we're partnered with them now. They're, they have an awesome company they have an awesome product. But that was that's one of the biggest ones, I think, for showing people what it's like hitting outside, even though you're inside and in the Northeast where you cannot go outside and hit for what six months out of the year, five months out of the year. Um, it, it's a really, really valuable tool. Uh, video delay was was one of the facility favorites. I had a, a video delay switch, which now you can just get an app on your phone that does it. But um, I would plug in a camera plug it up to the TV and plug it into this video delay switch. So every time you took a swing, you could look up at a monitor and it would show your swing three seconds after just every single, every time you took a swing, you could watch it. So if in terms of making adjustments and not relying on somebody else to tell you what you're doing, you could just look at it and see. Um, I've tried just about everything I've tried. I've got my hands on as much tech as possible. I had, uh, I had a, K vest, which is you put the sensors on your body, take your swings, 3D kinematics. Um, had a body track, which is a pressure sensor mat for your feet. Did a little force, <clears throat> force pressure. Um, that one's really cool. Not super user <laughs> friendly. Um, I got a live Athos system, which is like a bodysuit you wear with EMG sensors. And I was trying to track muscle firing sequences. Like, what am I doing? It's crazy, crazy stuff. I've tried a lot. I've tried a lot. You, you, so you got DK, you got blast, uh, 4d motion, which is another one like K vest. Um, I've, I've tried just about everything that I can get my hands on flight scope, um, which is, was for in-game stuff. And that one didn't work out as I wanted to, but I've, I've, tr- I've gotten my hands and tried and, and stress tested as much technology as, as I can ever get my hands on. How much have you invested in all of that? Uh, it's, I mean, some of it, you buy it and you try it and then you sell it back or you return it because it doesn't work as advertised. Um, I don't know the exact number. It's, it's more of a process than it is. (laughs) If it's, if it, if it's a product that you can purchase and then use it to create revenue, then it, it's a good decision and you roll with it. Like hit tracks was is the, I call hit tracks everyday tech. My threshold for using tech is it's got to be everyday tech. Meaning like I would walk into my building, I would turn on my lights and I would turn on hit tracks. All the other tech, you know, you have some like monthly tech where you're doing monthly check-ins. You have quarterly tech where it's like, you don't need to do that assessment every day or every, every week or every month, like quarterly is fine. 
So it's, it's more like figuring out what works, how frequently you need to use it. And then how can you tie it all together to make it meaningful for the athlete? Cause at the end of the day, if you're just collecting data and it's sitting in a spreadsheet and it's not doing anything for you, you're literally wasting your time. Hmm. There's uh there's video of you. Well, last night I was kind of bouncing around videos. Um, I was looking at some of that hit track stuff, which is really cool. Cause it was just guys hitting off a tee and then it would kind of track where their ball would have ended up in Fenway park. That was a really cool technology. I also found um, video of you pitching to Josh Donaldson in the home run derby. I want to say, I don't it was it 2015 or 2000. So at, at some yeah. point, yeah, you really got your client base going and you started having major league baseball players. How did that, what, at what point did it really take off? And you said, all right, this is, you know, I have the biggest clients in the game. Yeah. So I started working with Chris Colabello, who is a former teammate. I played with him in Worcester. Um, when I, after I saw the pool swing that I described earlier, started digging in, started kind of connecting dots, seeing, seeing what was actually happening. So I called Chris and I'm like, Hey man, I got to get you in the cage. Cause we had, we had kept in touch and he was still playing. So got him up to the cage. We argued a bunch, like the first six or seven times I had him up, we just yelled at each other. Cause he was still in the old school, like, I got to squish the bug. I got to get my knob to the ball. So we just yelled at each other. And then I finally found a video of him hitting a homer. Um, It was in Worcester. If you know the field where at Holy Cross, he hit a ball onto the highway or off the face of the highway. And he was doing everything that I was saying should be happening. And he was like, I wasn't thinking about that at all. And that's one of my best, like furthest hit balls ever. So that when he, that, that was the, the moment where he's like, all right, let me, let me try this. We have video of him taking swings and it was absurd. And there was one swing he took that he thought was like the craziest thing ever because he was trying to be, you know, out of his comfort zone. And I was like, that one was really good. And he was like, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. (laughs) Uh, But he was the first one that gave me a chance to kind of implement stuff. And then from there, it was just kind of word of mouth. He went out after we worked for an off season, he went out to Worcester in 2011 and was the independent player of the year he went off he was hitting close to 400 most of the year he he tailed off at the very end but i think he had like he was hitting close to 400 almost got 20 homers in a 90 game season so he he went off he was named independent player of the year by baseball america um got signed with the twins went to double a and he was the the runner-up in the mvp in the Eastern league. So to go from independent ball to double a in 2013, he, he played in the WBC, went to triple a, and then was in the big leagues in May. So he went from independent ball to the big leagues in like 18 months. Um, every clubhouse that he got into, he would talk about the swing and he would, guys would ask him like, dude, what are you doing? Cause he would have drills and movements that they didn't understand. And uh, I, at that time I was also writing, getting involved in blogging like Eric Cressy is the the blueprint there. So putting content out, trying to share, get the word out. And uh, yeah, from there, it was just people started finding the information and it was, it was all word of mouth. It was like, it was like a, it's almost like a virus would get into the, the clubhouse and maybe I shouldn't say that with COVID now, but it was <laughs> that it was, they would start talking about it in the clubhouse and then everybody wanted to know it was, it was like wildfire. It, and one guy on a team would pick it up and then I'd get emails from five guys on the team. It was, it was pretty crazy. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and so I, that that's how you ended up with Josh Donaldson, you know, pitching to him in the home run derby. I guess he was it was kind of more of a tribute to what you meant to his career. Yeah, it was a really really cool opportunity, and forever forever thankful to him for that. Um, yeah, to to be on that stage, and it's funny because up until that night, every single day would somebody would tell me that I was full of it, that I had no idea what I was talking about, I was an idiot. Um, because what I was talking about was so different than what was conventional wisdom at the time. And then since that night, only one person has at least to me, maybe they're saying it behind my back, but only one person has been like to my face in an email directly saying, you don't know what you're talking about. So um, the, the level of validation, the, the opportunity to kind of just be on that stage. It was, it was really cool. It was um, it was cool and it was overwhelming. And um, that night, I turned on my phone, literally like at the stadium, I turned on my phone. I had 700 emails from people that wanted to work with me. And that was uh, a really tipping point moment for me in my life and like understanding what I'm trying to do in business and trying to like find new solutions. But it was a really, really cool opportunity to, to be on the field. Like the energy that occurs on the field is unreal. Like, I don't know how these guys sleep at all ever because it's like you're the, all the stadium is like the energy is like going into you. It's, it's wild. And the, when you're on the field and you hear the, the crowd erupt and it's like the whole place shakes, it's, it's so cool. But uh really cool moment with, with meeting Albert Pools because he was a participant in the Derby and I like gave him advice <laughs> because it was the first year of the timed event. So we were the first American league, uh, hitter to go josh was the first american league hitter to go so i think it was uh rizzo went first and then we went and we we won the first round against him so we went back in the clubhouse and albert Pujols was in the cage like getting ready and he was like so how was it how was it like in terms of the timing so my god it's it's more time than you realize don't rush like be patient like what am i why am i telling anything about hitting but it was pretty cool for him to be the guy that triggered the whole my whole life change, I guess, to, to be able to stand next to him and talk to him is really cool. That's amazing. There must have been times before that home run derby, at least, that did you ever waver and, and kind of ha- lose confidence in whether you were doing the right thing? If you have all these people in baseball telling you, hey, this isn't the way we do it, uh, it almost feels like you're kind of an outsider trying to break in. Did you ever lose confidence or waver in your confidence? Not, not even a little bit. Um, it was so obvious the, the information was, it's objective. It's not, it wasn't, I would, I've never tried to invent anything with this. It's not like I was like, Oh, here's this new way. I figured this out. It, it's literally just studying the video and looking at what's happening. And then you kind of look at the best hitters of all time and how they perform and then you understand the demands of the pitcher that they're facing. And when I wrote my book, it was, I, I started using the term swing characteristics because I had to define like, what is swing depth? What is swing plane? Like, how do you create timing? And when you look at how they move, you know, the bat can't do anything without the hitter's influence on it. Like they, you, the bats, if you draw, they just fall on the ground, just sit on the ground and do nothing. So how the hitter moves defines their timing. It defines their path, defines 
all of their characteristics. So when you look at the different ways hitters move and the different characteristics they're creating, it is like dead obvious that the best hitters are doing something that works the best. The, how they move, the, the, my, one of my favorite terms, the geometry of their body. So like when the front heel gets down, the shoulders are sloped back, the back elbow is down, the lead arm is up, the bat's on plane. Like this is the, this is happening. It's not a choice that I made. It's just, this is the, this is what happens when hitter, when good hitters swing. So the more we can emulate that, the better. That's to, to tie it back to uh, the, the comments about the launch angle and the, and the X velocity. If you start chasing that in the wrong ways, you're going to create poor swing mechanics, which I think happens a lot where if you lean back to create swing plane, like meaning your spine and your head go backwards, you're going to swing straight up. You're that, and that's bad. You're going to create more launch angle, but you're going to swing and miss a lot. So it's like, you have to be able to tilt your shoulders without your head leaning back. And that's where the plane comes from. So that's, there's a lot of people start looking at the video and they're like, oh yeah, we'll get the ball in the air. And then you give them the wrong cue and then the hitters create bad swing paths. And uh, you know, that's, that's when bad things happen. You got to have the right information for the, for the hitter you're in, in front of, but you also can't have bad principles about what you're doing. So I've, I've never wavered in, in my, <laughs> since the pools videos. And I mean, I was up, taking swings in my living room last night, trying to feel something new. It, it's, it's a constant pursuit of trying to understand it and find new words and find new feels. You never know what's going to connect with the hitter. So you have to find as much and as many ways to say it as possible. And with your business, you mentioned Pelotero earlier, partnering with uh, hit tracks um, in the last, I don't know, a year or two, you've relocated to Texas and it's a software company. You can you can coach or instruct athletes from anywhere uh, in the country. So if guys in New England are listening to this and want your instruction, um, you know they can find you. How did the you know how has the company evolved and uh, what's on the horizon? You said there's a new product out um, next week. Yeah, really excited about what we're building. So I mentioned at the home run derby when uh, I turn on my phone, I have 700 emails. I started. I had, to, I had to think about scalability for the first time. And, you know, I was working with major league players, which was really cool, but you only have so much time. And the, the, that summer of the home run derby, I was coaching two teams, two or three teams. We, we would have leagues at night. So we, I, would, I would be in the facility from like eight o'clock in the morning till two. And then I would go coach a game that night for one of our teams and then I would have tournaments on the weekend. So I'm going like eight to eight every day and then games on weekends. And then I was getting married that fall. Like I had no time. So when 700 people email me, I was, I had no chance of, of servicing them at all. It was just impossible. And it, it started making me think differently and trying to find different solutions. And I tried to do stuff in Excel and then Google sheets. And then I found this like no code um, relational database software, which I got to do pretty cool stuff with, but I was getting like, I was writing scripts and Google sheets so I could automate, you know, creating PDFs and sending emails with drills. It was, it was, it's been a journey. Um, so when I talk about like all the technology that I've tried, 
I've been searching for ways to be more efficient and to help players and to help myself first to, to be able to process and handle more volume. Um, so Peltaro started as like just out of this need to be more efficient and to be able to use data better. So with hit tracks, we have our first product coming out on August 23rd. So this coming Monday, I don't know when this comes out, but August 23rd is the official launch date. So you can go into any hit tracks location um, after assuming they've done their software update will be on hit tracks units. So you can walk in, do a T assessment and in about 15 minutes, we'll break down your entire swing and be able to give you a program that's completely customized to you. And you can actually do the drills on hit tracks as well with on the screen. It'll tell you where to hit the ball, what launch angle to hit it. So if you are popping up too much, we're going to tell you to hit the ball lower and it's going to on the screen, give you a thumbs up or thumbs down if you're doing your drill correctly. Um, so this is, it's our first product. Um, it's pretty exciting because like we have beta users and we're getting, you know, dozens of assessments coming in each day. We had one day we had 20 assessments. The first day we had 20 assessments come through and I'm sitting in my office and I'm where the, the product we built is helping hitters without like me physically having to do it. It's, it's so cool because it's, it's uh, Chris did a really good job building the assessment out and building all the parameters. And um, it's really assessing the hitter. It's not, we are considering your exit velocity and that's, a, that's a factor in it. And we're considering how far you can hit the ball, but it, it's establishing priorities. So you can do this assessment and we're going to tell you what you need to work on. If we're not going to just be like, Oh, here's a graph of whatever it's, these are the things you need to work on. This is what you're good at. This is what you're not good at. This is where you need to focus. And then it's going to give you the drills for it. Like you click a button and you get a program fully custom. So it's our first product. The, the platform itself can handle all aspects of player development. Hit tracks is just our first, our first product. So um, we'll have strength and conditioning stuff coming out soon. We'll have some swing mechanics product out as soon as possible. And uh, very excited because it's uh, to go back to like, if, if I could go back in my career and start over, what would I want access to? And this, this checks that box in a, a very big way. Nice. Well, I, uh, before I let you get going, uh, I, you were just making me think with uh, <clears throat> assessing swings and everything like that. Who, who in major league baseball right now has the best swing? I'm a big Joey Votto fan. He's a little, he's getting a little older, but I really like his swing path. Um, he's a weird cat too. I like, I like how weird he is. Um, Votto for me in terms of just pure movement, I, I use the term geometry of the body earlier. He's, he's got a very clean swing. Um, there's, there's a lot of guys with good swing paths. Miguel Cabrera is one of my all time favorites. I, I tend to stick to my generation. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like Joey Votto's swing. Bryce Harper has been making some good changes lately. He used to be very um, momentum based and he's learning how to control himself. And the analogy I use there is you get like a, a rock in a, in a river and it, it will smooth out over time. So it'll like get polished. I feel like he's getting polished. He's, he's learning to not rely on his athleticism as much and letting technique kind of control him more. It's a smart answer as a Phillies fan over here. Uh, 
<laughs> my question, my last question for you is: We talked. You t- you mentioned a little bit about golf, and I think you're a golf guy, and you know I'm a golf guy as well. And you have some swing mechanics there. You got some club head speed. You have all these numbers as well. And I don't know how often you play golf, but um, have you s- working with baseball mechanics? Have that kind of helped you better your golf game? And if so, you know what kind of similarities or differences do you see with baseball and golf? If any, yeah, I I don't play golf as much as I'd like to. I have uh, two young girls now; they just turned two and four last month. So, pre children, I played more golf than I do now. Um, but golf was um, golf was really good for me in terms of learning the swing and understanding body movements and how they influence the club path. And yeah, I, I learned a lot. I think if you look at a guy like Jim Furyk or Ryan Moore they have what they're considered two plane swings where the, they kind of bring the club back very vertical and then it will flatten out. That's more similar to a baseball swing, uh, with golf because the ball is on the ground, the, the, the plane of the shoulders is going to be a lot more consistent, but, um, I love the thinking of golf similar to what I was talking about earlier with the thinking in baseball, where you have to think about the wind, you have to think about, you know, is it an uphill lie or a side hill lie or are you hitting out of the fairway or the rough? What kind of spin is it going to have? Um, where do you want to miss? Like all the things you have to think about in golf. It's, it's really fun. Um, but yeah, the, if you want to get into the metrics and you can, you can do a deep dive into, into <laughs> the tech of golf. Golf is a lot easier because the ball's, the ball's not moving. So you can, you can set up like a track man unit right behind the ball. And it's a lot easier because you know the intended target line you're not, they're not going to pull the ball if they do it's really bad but baseball has got a 45 45 spray possible and the pitching is coming from different arm slots different angles there's it's different demands but there's a lot to learn people ask me all the time if there's a if golf will hurt your baseball swing if i don't think it does um unless you have a bad swing if you have a bad baseball swing and a bad golf swing then yeah, it's going to reinforce a bad move. But if you have a good move and you have like, if you're creating transition, well, it should help your baseball swing in my opinion. Right on. Well, Bobby, thanks so much for being generous with your time and it's exciting time for uh, Pelotero and for you personally. So I really appreciate you joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. Really, really enjoyed it. Thanks to Bobby Tewksbury for pulling back the curtain on his teaching methods for hitters. I loved hearing about how he remained confident in his approach when everyone in baseball was telling him he was wrong. You could hear the enthusiasm in his voice when he talked about the experience of pitching to Josh Donaldson in the 2015 Home Run Derby. For more on Pelotero, check out Pelotero.com. That's P-E-L-O-T-E-R-O.com. Before we close out the pod, a few programming notes. Rate, review, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on your preferred platform. We have an exciting guest book for next week, so be sure to subscribe so you get an alert when that one goes live. To keep up with all things New England baseball, visit BaseballJournal.com. We update the site with new stories daily. Click the subscribe tab to get the print edition mailed to your home or office. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball. We also want to hear from you. If you have recommendations for guests or questions that you'd like me to ask, send a DM on Twitter or email dguttonplan at baseballjournal.com. Thanks again for listening. 
The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media podcast.